Welcome to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be diving into the betrayal of Jesus and his arrest. Uh, We finally made it there, and some very interesting things that come out about what Judas has planned for Jesus, about how Jesus deals with the arrest that he's facing, and how the disciples break break and run just like Jesus had said they would. All this today on the Preacher's Corner. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer, asking for His blessings upon us as we dive into His Word, and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful for everything that you have done, for the opportunities that we have today to be able to glean from your Word and to grow thereby. We ask thy blessing in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. All right, guys, if you'll get the Word of God before you and get it prepared by opening the Bible always, as I've said before, so say I now, get those Bibles in front of you. Make sure that the Word of God is open before you. It's it's very important that the, the Holy Spirit has opportunity in this hour to be able to listen to the Word of God, but also to be able to feast upon it by you pulling the Word of God into your into your heart by by reading the book instead of just listening to this podcast, if at all possible, unless, of course, you're driving, in which case I would advise you not to do so. But if you have the opportunity to be able to have the Word of God open before you, I always encourage you to get, get that Bible open. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse number 43. And the scripture says, And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve with him, a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out against a thief? with swords and with staves, to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they forsook him, they all forsook him, and they fled. Now, ending in verse number 50, several things that that exist here, of course, uh, being verse number 50, as the prophecy is foretold that we had read in, in Zechariah, Thirteen seven yesterday that says that they they all like sheep will scatter and and it was necessary to smite the shepherd so that the flock would scatter. We we see this actually happening right here in verse number fifty. It says they all forsook him, Peter included. And some of the details that are not exactly in Mark that you're going to find in Matthew, you're going to find in Luke, is the fact that Jesus actually censures Mark. He fusses at him for striking at the at the servant of the chief priest because that's not the way that Jesus' kingdom is meant to work. And so you'll find that, whereas here you just see that Peter whips out his blade and slices the ear off, and it's it's at that point that the next thing you know, Peter's running away. But... Nevertheless, 
the the scripture is fulfilled. They all flee from him. I thought it was interesting that you would find in verse number 49, Jesus points out the hypocrisy of what they're doing in the dead of night when it's only the, the 11 at this point because the 12th actually shows up to betray him. I think it's interesting that he he would point this out. He says, daily I was with you in the temple teaching, and you didn't take me then. Well, it isn't that they didn't have a mind to take him. Of course, we've seen already throughout the scriptures many times in which they they deliberated within themselves the possibility of being able to take him. And there are few times when he was out in the countryside and he was preaching in the countryside that they did try to take him because he wasn't in the temple. He wasn't around the, the, the masses of people and they tried to take him, but he, he vanished from among them as the scripture reveals twice that he would vanish from among them. And so it's not that they didn't have a mind to take him. They just didn't take the action. They didn't bring the army. They didn't they didn't arrest him in front of the public because they really didn't have anything on him. I mean, once he's arrested, he has the right to trial according to the Hebrew the Hebrew custom. And what are they going to blame him for? At that period of time, they really didn't have anything to blame him for. So it isn't that they didn't think about it. It isn't that they didn't want to. They just couldn't. And it had to be this period of time. That's why Jesus also in verse number 49 says, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Now, another point is is found actually in Isaiah 53. So, I want you to see this. I'm going to go over to Isaiah chapter number 53 real quick and, and point this out about him in his death. Isaiah 53 gives us a prophecy Jesus actually speaks of right here. So if if you get down to Isaiah 53 and it says in verse number 8 it says he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was there any deceit in his mouth this very the same thing is being spoken of here as Jesus would say in verse number 49, he he would say, or 48 rather, he would say, Jesus answered, said unto them, are you come out as against a thief? Are you come out as against a thief? You know, and as he's hanging on that cross and he has those those two thieves on either side of him, that's kind of a hint, isn't it? Those two thieves on either side of him that that you know Jesus is is dying in the midst of 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 the ungodly he's numbered with the transgressors and Jesus is making this point even before he hangs upon the cross with the thieves he's making the point that that who are they coming against are they coming against someone as though they were after a thief and the reality of Jesus making known this this mention of a thief is because it is widely understood in the hearts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. It's widely understood that they were they were furious with Jesus. They were angry with him because he he was leading people to a knowledge of God, not the knowledge of their religion. And so People were abandoning the religion, like that that blind guy. Remember the blind guy in John chapter number 9? They cast him out of the temple. Essentially, that would mean that he was separated from God. 
had Jesus maintained the teachings of the religion, he would have forsaken that guy. He wouldn't have talked to him anymore. He wouldn't have come anywhere near him because that guy is banished from God. He's now numbered among the Gentiles. He's he's separated from the faith. But that's not how Jesus played at all. In fact, Jesus went and he found that guy. And he said, you're speaking with the Messiah. And he said, Lord, I believe. And Jesus had him following Jesus. And so these Pharisees, they see this guy that was separated from the faith, which means that Jesus should have shunned him and had nothing to do with him. And here he's one of the number that's following Jesus and worshiping at his feet. And so they're furious with Jesus. They consider him to be a thief of, of the religion. He's stealing people away from them, meaning he's stealing income. He's stealing money. He's stealing fame. He's stealing power away from them. And so Jesus asked him, did you come out as against a thief? Oddly enough, if they had to answer that question, it would have been, yes, we did. And so uh, just right off the cuff, several interesting things that would happen here, uh, beginning in verse 43, it says, And immediately, while he yet spake, comes Judas. Here he comes. Now, the telltale sign that he would make with Judas, Judas would make rather with the, with the priest and the, and the guards that were with him, is the one whom I kiss, the same is the one you want to arrest. Now, I think that's interesting. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter number 53. It's something I want you to see in Isaiah 53 that matches to this as well. In verse number 1 of Isaiah 53, the scripture says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. It's right here in verse number 2 of Isaiah 53. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, Jesus is about as common a guy as you're ever going to come across. Jesus isn't elaborate. He isn't beautiful. He isn't, uh, in his flesh, someone that you would even desire to, to meet or desire to want to come close to. Jesus, just he, he, according to Scripture, is just not desirable of the flesh. And so when it comes to the point of arresting him, how do you pick Jesus out from among the other 12, among the, the 12 around him that are ruddy, that are, that are uh, fishermen and, and different positions of hardship and labor? And I mean, all of these guys are basically looking the same. Who do you, who do you pick from? How do you find him? 
in the midst of a crowd when he when he's so average this jesus he's he's not like the, the Saul, he's not like the first king that was chosen who was a head taller than the rest of the people and has was a beautiful stature and a powerful man. No, he's just average. Jesus in his flesh is just an average guy. He's just like all the other 12 around him. You, how do you find him? How do you figure him out? Well, Judas has walked with him long enough to know him. Judas has walked with him long enough to pick him out of a crowd and Judas tells him, the one whom I, I walk up and give a kiss to, of course, this is a custom in many countries today. Uh, this is something I had to get a little bit familiar with when, when I first in, engaged in working with the Hispanic culture. This is something that they still do to this day, is that they, you know, with joy when they see you, they walk up and they give us a kiss on your cheek, even if you're a guy. And, and of course, with the American culture, that's like Ichabod. What in the world are you doing? So when this first happened to me, I'm sitting there staring like, what am I supposed to do here? I don't know what to do. And it was it was interesting. I mean, I've never had that happen to me before. But this is a greeting. This is actually a common greeting. And and I remember, and I remember Pastor Manuel, it was so funny. Uh, we we had come back together and the, and the church had, had begun to form the the Hispanic mission begun to form and I see I'm, I'm standing there talking to Pastor Manuel and I look over and there's a man who who walks up and gives my wife a kiss on the cheek and now I mean me that's one thing but American culture that's my wife and, and this guy walks up and he gives her a kiss on the cheek and Pastor Manuel <laughs> Pastor Manuel he saw me just lock in and I started going and he goes no 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 pastor no 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 he says he says it's it's our custom it's 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 who we are it's you gotta you gotta understand who we are and I I I simmered down pretty quick after that I said okay (laughs) and then you know my my wife had, had told me that it was interesting and then of course the the gentleman that that I've come to know uh that that did that of Hey, no ill intention whatsoever. That's just a sister in Christ, and there's a great joy to 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 meet her, to to see her in church, and so that's how that worked. Of course, this is the same fellow that's planted one on me. So it's like, all right, I'm starting to understand these things, and and other cultures as well, like the culture in Africa and the culture in Nepal. There there are similar similar instances of of greeting where this kiss is not something strange it's it's really only kind of strange to us in america because of the the distancing and 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 measures that we naturally take as as a culture and as a people that aren't in in other cultures and peoples so when you see that these guys are walking up and they're planting kisses on each other it's not because they have in in intimate desires for one another that's not what's happening here at all this isn't a measure of homosexuality this isn't a measure of of passion and desire this is a, a greeting this is a means by which you could tell somebody i really appreciate that you're here i'm really thankful to be able to be in your presence and that's what this thing is is happening here of course we understand the hypocrisy of how that works with judas because he's actually going to do this as a means of betraying Jesus instead of saying, hey, I'm glad you're here. 
hey, this is the guy you want to arrest, is what Judas's point is. And it's the only way that they're going to be able to discover Jesus from the midst of the crowd. And that's very important to realize as well because of how average he is in the flesh. And so it, it comes to pass in verse number 45, when he was come, Judas comes right up to him and says, Rabbi, Rabbi. Uh, of course, all of the people that are following with him are, are going, oh, hey, this must be the guy. And, and of course, Jesus said, my betrayer is at hand. When you look at verse number 42, he said, my, my betrayer is here. So when Judas comes up in the corner and goes, Rabbi, Rabbi, Jesus is going, yeah, okay, I know what you're doing. I get the point. Walks up, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Jesus is like, yep. This is how it's supposed to be. And as soon, verse number 45 to 46, as soon as he was come, he kisses him and they lay their hands on him. They just snatch him up. Now, in between verse 45 and 46, according to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, there's a few things that take place. One of my favorite things in the arrest, also in John, John, really, one of my favorite things about the arrest is when he comes and he points him out, before they lay their hands on him, Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, we're, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. Well, the other gospels, what they point out is when he said, I am he, this whole army that comes with Judas, with their swords and their staffs, this whole army falls to the ground before Jesus. And I, I, it isn't mentioned here in Mark. I mean, with Mark, of course, we talked about it all the way back in verse number one, that he's a bare bones uh, author. He's, he's just writing the events. He's not putting in any of the particulars. He's not putting in any of the details. He's just marking what happened, the events as they were, and he's moving forward. So this is more of a, of, of a particular where, where he's just documenting the points, the major points of what happened. Now, Mark being, being recognized as the first gospel that was written, then you would begin to find uh, folks like Matthew and folks like Luke and John, as they would, as they would read Mark's account, then they would start to fill in the details because they'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that, that, that happened, but this, this detail took place there and this detail took place also. And so you'll find that, that Mark really sets the stage for the fullness of the gospels. And that's why they work together so well in the four gospels. Mark sets the stage that Matthew builds upon and that Luke also would build upon between Matthew and Mark and, and that John would build upon as well in certain places. <clears throat> so you'll find that that in, in this connection where they lay their hands on him and, and then they, they, you know, they, they arrest him, that there is this period of time where Jesus says, what are you doing? And they said, we're coming to arrest you. And he said, well, I'm he. And they all fall down to the ground. And then Jesus has to ask them again, so who are you looking for? And and so that they would get back up and that the arrest could actually take place the second time. I just love that section in the scripture. And one of them that stood by drew a sword. Now we've got Peter. And by the way, the other gospels specifically state that this is Peter. And the reason I believe that Mark doesn't say that it is Peter is because this is actually Peter's gospel. Is it's penned by Mark and it's it's attributed by Mark, of course Mark being that John Mark of of Acts, 
that that would be oh with Paul on his first missionary journey this same mark would would be pinning this down as it would be transcribed for Peter I believe and so he leaves himself out when he when he says the one that drew a sword because he doesn't want to dime himself out he doesn't want to coin himself as a jerk to cut the ear off but nevertheless it was Peter and he and he smites his servant and cuts his ear off of the of the high priest and uh Jesus there's another place in the gospels of course you you see that this is left out as well as concerning the the um, censure that that is given unto Peter but we receive it in Matthew and Luke in that when Peter cuts the ear of the the servant off Jesus says, what are you doing? This is not the way that my kingdom is going to work. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I believe you'll find it in Luke chapter number 26. In Luke 26, let's see, in beginning in verse number 51, it says, Behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote his ear off. Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that it must be? Again in Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 49 beginning, it says, When they which were with him, saw what would follow. They said unto him, Lord, shall we fight with the sword? And one of them went ahead and smote the servant of the of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus answered and he said, Suffer you thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. <laughs> and John 18, it says, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it <laughs> and smote the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And and Jesus said to Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? So John reveals that it's Peter that did the job. We understand that it was the right ear in connection to John and Luke, that John reveals the name of the servant as Malchus. And Matthew gives us also a, a decent overview. So that, that's how the, this works. With, with the ear being cut off and with the connection of Peter and with the censure that he receives, we don't get any of that mark. So when you go through the Gospel of Mark, it is very important for us to, to keep in mind that the other Gospels are going to fill in the cracks that Mark leaves behind. And so it comes down and it says, Jesus answered, Why are you here? What have you come out for? You looking for a thief? You got your swords. What you? What do you need swords for? Look, you could have taken me any time you wanted to. Daily I was with you in the temple, and you could have taken me, but you didn't. But nevertheless, just like we saw the other three gospel accounts, the scriptures must be fulfilled. And so, verse number 51, as we go on, and there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth, cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked, 
funny situation. I I I believe that this is uh, John actually. This situation that that was the young man that was following him, and it's interesting how this this situation plays out. It, why it's even in there? What what is that detail that that would be given unto us? And I believe that um, let's see in Mark thirteen. There is no connections through the other gospels as concerning verses fifty one and fifty two. This is a unique detail that that is given to us directly from Mark, and I do believe that this is, the the young man is John, one of his followers, his apostle, uh, as we know him to be uh, the youngest in a crowd, and that he would be there with Jesus, and of course he would be one of the ones that, that woke up, and he would be one that would actually flee, but John would be the last to flee, not Peter, but John. In the fact that they would lay hold on him, but as he would escape them by leaving the garment behind as they laid hold on him. And and the same thing actually takes place from 51 and 52. The same thing actually takes place in the means of Joseph when he was being accosted by Potiphar's wife. That's exactly the same thing he did. He just dropped his garment and took off running. What a sight that should be. But then we come to the trial of Jesus, and this is a, an interesting place as well to be. It says, and when they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all of the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. By the way, this is at the break of dawn. I mean, you're, you're dealing with four or five o'clock in the morning at this point. The arrest actually taking place somewhere around three o'clock in the morning. And so, it says they led Jesus away to, uh, to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes, uh, been plotting this all night long. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now, he goes even into the palace of the high priest, and he's with the servants and warmed himself. And the very important point is that the servants are not in the midst of the court where Jesus would be tried, but are outside the gates of the court where Jesus would be tried, which is why when you when you discover that, that Peter was with the burn barrel, as John would actually enter through the gates and get close to Jesus, Peter would stay out behind the gates where the servants are, where the burn barrel is, <clears throat> warming himself. And the chief priests and all the councils sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death, but they couldn't find anybody. That's because there is nobody. There is no reason for him to die. There's no point for his death. This is, this is something they're just trying to get rid of him, and it requires lies. It requires false witnesses to come forward, just as revealed in verse number 56. Many bear false witness against him, 
but their witnesses could not agree together. And see, this is the issue that they had to face is concerning putting him under arrest of their Judaistic law, is that concerning the Mosaic law, if you had, if you accuse someone of a crime, you had to have at least two witnesses, if not three. But those witnesses must testify in congruency. In other words, they had to be uh, lined up with each other. They had to agree with each other. And and if they didn't agree, then the then it was revealed that the person was was not guilty. And also, once their testimonies didn't agree, then they would be brought to trial because they would have been considered in perjury, and they could actually lose their lives because they were trying to lie to kill another person. So the Mosaic Law was actually a really difficult law, even for those that that uh, interpreted the law, even for the lawyers and the, and the judges, it was a difficult law for them to break because all the people knew the law. They were all trained in the law. They were taught the Mosaic Law so that they could be more compliant and obedient to their masters, so to speak. And so now that you're making this accusation against Jesus, you you actually have a whole group of people outside of yourselves who know the law's expectations, and they're sitting there watching this, all these false witnesses coming and and not agreeing with each other, meaning that it's understood he's actually not guilty. But they can't have this. They've got to win, because if they don't win, then they're the ones that are guilty. And they can't be the ones who are guilty because then Jesus would be right. And we can't let God be right. It said, uh, verse number 57, there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, these are the specific charges. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and with three, within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witnesses agree together. Now, that is true. Jesus did speak about that. You'll, you'll find it in, in the very beginnings of John. It's John chapter number 2. You find it in the beginnings, what we saw in Mark chapter number 2. We'll find it in, in chapters 1 and 2. You've, you'll find it in Matthew. You'll find it in Luke. It's something that transcends all the Gospels here. That tear this temple down within three days. I will raise it up again. So Jesus did speak that, but of course he was referring to his body as revealed in John. He was referring to the temple of his flesh. And he did exactly what he said he would do, by the way, in that he was correct. So nobody's witnesses agreed with each other. In verse number 59 and 60, it says, High priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it What is it which these witnesses which these witness against thee. What, what is it? <laughs> you know, you, you've got to give us something so we can accuse you, Jesus. What, what is it which these witness, which these witness against you? What? Come on, work with us. You know we have to kill you. You know you have to die. So work with us on this thing. <laughs> I think that is so fascinating to me that they would actually be begging Jesus to screw up so that they could they could kill him I mean, that, that, priceless 
And, and so none of their witnesses are agreeing. But the, the main thing that's coming out is we heard him say, tear the temple down three days, I'll raise it up again. The high priests are saying, okay, aren't you going to rebut this? Aren't you going to redress this? Aren't you going to answer anything? But remember, the scripture also reveals in Isaiah 53 that he was before his, he stood before the transgressors as a lamb, as, as a quiet lamb. And so it says throughout prophecy that he isn't going to say anything, that he's going to be silent before his shearers. And, and and is not going to speak. So w- when they're trying their dead level best to get him to trip up, they're trying. Of course, they've tried this for the last three and a half years. They've been trying to trip him up. They've been trying to get him to contradict himself. They've been trying to do all of these things. And now when they finally get him to trial and none of their, their messages are lining up, none of their information is, is, is coming together, they're just begging him at this point to just please intentionally screw up please just give us something so we can go ahead and kill you i think that is so funny please mess up so we can kill you but he held his peace verse 61 and he answered nothing again the high priest asked him and he said unto him are you the christ the son of the blessed and thus jesus speaks i am I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. <laughs> Guys, how could you beat that? By the way, one one event that takes place, and we, we consider this Easter account, or we consider this a Passover account, one event, that takes place that is priceless in this moment one event is right here when the high priest says are you the christ and jesus says yes i am then jesus says and you'll see me coming with power in the clouds of the air The high priest, look at verse number 63 and look to it very closely. The high priest tears his garments. He rent his clothes and said, What need we of any further witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some even began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him, and say to him, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Who has struck you? The high priest tears his clothes. Let's take a look at some of this here. The high priest tore his clothes. It is written... In Leviticus, I believe, between Leviticus and Deuteronomy, let's see if I can find it. Um, Now I'll have to look for it later. I don't have the time to be able to look for it now as my time's running away from me. But I'll make sure to point this out in, in a future episode here that when the high priest tore his garment, he actually, uh, he, he rendered himself not capable of performing the duty of high priest anymore. 
when he tore his garments, he he surrendered the the role of high priest. He's no longer a, he's defiled himself, is what has taken place. So at this point, the only high priest that was that was in the room would be Jesus, the true high priest. And so we find that when he tears his clothes, the high priest tore his clothes. He actually separated himself from the office of high priest. And the only one that stood there who could have fulfilled the office at that point is Jesus, the one coming with power in the clouds of the air. Jesus, Messiah. Mm. I love that. Now, what we have as we move forward into this time, uh, and we'll get into this Monday, okay? Because tomorrow is Five Things Friday, and we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God in the Five Things Friday, which is going to be a pretty exciting adventure, especially if I can get these notes done. <laughs> that would be a treasure. But in the Five Things Friday, we're dealing with the kingdom of God. But here on Monday, we're going to be looking at the fulfillment of the next portion of scriptures where Jesus back up in, in 14 had told Peter, before this night, you know, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me thrice. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to say three times, I don't know that man. And Peter, of course, when he, when he first heard this, he said, ain't no way that's going to happen. Even if I die, I'm going to fight for you. Even, even if everybody else abandons you, I'm going to be there for you. And he proves that that's not true, beginning in verse number 66. And so that's where we will pick up on Monday. But I've got something for you now to consider. You guys hanging out with me at the Preacher's Corner, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday, and we were talking about Christmas Eve, the 24th. I believe it's happening on a Thursday this this month, but we'll, we'll look into that as we get closer to it. But what I want to do for the Preacher's Corner guests, I want to thank you guys. I would love for you guys to, to come on out for the Christmas Eve service that we have. It's going to be at 6 o'clock in the evening. It's going to be an opportunity for us as a Preacher's Corner to be able to gather together. Uh, for for some that, that I've yet to be able to meet, I would love to be able to meet you. And if, if the churches that are recognized and the, and the folks that gather together on this particular broadcast uh, aren't holding any kind of special service, then you have the opportunity to be able to come out to ours. And, and it would be a great thing for the Preacher's Corner uh, folks that, that gather together here, all to gather together, and, and so that we can meet one another. Of course, I understand the social distancing measures, and I understand everything else about it, but it's an opportunity for us to be able to meet one another and, and to be able to worship God together. And of course, we're going to stream that service live so that you'll be able to connect to it. But if it's possible, we, we could, you know, come together and actually meet one another and rejoice in each other so so that when we see those names pop up on the screen and the joy we have for seeing those those names popping up and saying hey it's great to see you on here today we could actually say hey it's great to see you in person hallelujah <laughs> that would be fantastic so something for you to think about as we'll talk about it more as we come up to the time something for you to think about but Definitely give it a consideration so that we can just worship the Lord together. Father, we're grateful. We thank you for this day, 
for the the betrayal of Jesus and all the events that took place for the the power of God unto salvation. In, in the, the fact that Jesus knows what is necessary to be done, he says, thus it fulfills the scripture. He understands his obedience to your word is what's going to make the difference for eternal life in this world. And likewise, Lord, our obedience to your word will be what makes the difference in others' lives coming to know Jesus. So bless us as we follow our Savior and as we learn more of him from day to day, that we may rejoice together as one body in Christ. Amen. God bless you guys, keep you guys, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll see you tomorrow for Five Things Friday, going through the kingdom of God. Take care.